so hard to hire people because you can't afford like $20 an hour for most companies. They'll go like at $15, $16 an hour. And so I looked up what the unemployment rate is in the U.S. And um, as of October, it was 6.3%. And so I just said, what's wrong? Like, what's happening here? You know, homelessness is at an all-time high. People are on the street asking for work all the time. But like you drive down a few more blocks and you'll see somebody's hiring, right? Like everybody's hiring right now. In fact, I know of two businesses personally that shut down because they weren't able to hire people. They couldn't keep employees long enough, right? So they would have seasonal workers come in. They would train them up two weeks later. They just leave. They don't even like say, I'm leaving. They just don't come to work anymore. And I'm like, what? What's happening, right? And so it really got me to a place of thinking like, what, what does work have to do with our Christian witness, right? And sorry, I apologize that I'm going off my phone because I can't look at my notes on my on my laptop. But um, you see, when I was growing up, the work ethic that I learned at home was, um, and, and in the word, is that we don't make work our idol, right? And we work unto God. So everything that we do, we work unto God. And the, But the idea of work, I've heard many different um, perspectives on it. And some people say that we are cursed to work. So a lot of people work really hard towards retirement so they can stop working, right? And that's based off, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. I think I have it here. Uh, verse 17 to 19. <clears throat> you guys not seeing it yet? Okay. Is that? Yeah, okay, good. It was just delayed. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made? For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So based on this scripture, after the curse, right, after the fall of man, God cursed the ground, right? And he said, you will still be able to cultivate from this ground, but it's going to, and you will still be able to get your food from this ground, but it's going to take work. It's going to be hard, right? But we are still called to cultivate. Now, if we go back to Genesis chapter 2, when God created Adam prior to the fall, And I always like going back to Genesis chapter 2 because it really speaks, um, it really shows us where we are to start. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And I'm going to ask somebody here to read. Who's anybody? Mayana, do you, you have your Bible up? Yeah. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate, cultivate it and keep it. Okay. Now the word cultivate, so this is before the fall. After God created Adam, he put him in the garden of Eden and he said, cultivate this land, right? The word cultivate, or in some translations it says to dress it. The Strong's word is abad. It means to work in any sense, right? To work. It's by, it's by implication, it's to serve, to till. These are all actionable words. So Adam, before the fall, was actually called to work in the garden. He just didn't walk around the garden every day and things were just popping out of the trees. Because he worked in the garden and he cultivated the garden, he was free to eat from anything because that was part of what he was doing, right? He was free to eat of the land. Now, how many of you know God worked? Did God work? He did. When did God work? He made the earth, right? And that's our first example, right? So let's go to Genesis chapter 2. We'll start with verse 2. I think I have this. It says, By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Right? So that was, I think, this is our first work-life balance lesson. God worked for six days. For those of us who work five days a week, we complain, right? <laughs> like, I need two-day weekend. God worked six days. <laughs> and then he rested one day, right? He rested one day. 
rest is necessary, but work is necessary. And I started to think about that. And I'm like, Father, you worked six days. So you actually worked more than you rested. There's a need for rest. You know, and going back to my earlier statement, work should never be our idol. That's how we know work doesn't become our idol is when we can put aside that work and seek what is truly there, what is truly important. But God works six days. It's an important part of our life. I'm really not sure what's happening. It's coming. Oh, I think, Dora, are you, have you taken control? Yeah, yes. I was able to share now so you can see your note. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. So now that we're clear that working itself is not a curse, working is not a curse, right? It is not a curse. The land is cursed. Working is not a curse. Now, because of the fall, it is harder to work and cultivate, but it's still necessary. And God showed us that he worked. So in Deuteronomy 5.14, it says, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it, you shall do, you shall not do any work. You or your son or daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you so that your male and your female servant may rest as well as you. Everybody rests. It's really important because there's a clear distinction between knowing who provides and who doesn't. Our work does not provide for us. Our God provides for us. Our God gives us our work, and that's what provides for us. Does, it, does that make sense? Truly, it's like, you know, I am. A, I would consider myself a recovering workaholic. <laughs> like, I like to work. I really enjoy working. My entire career, I started working when I was 16 years old. I haven't stopped. I haven't actually been out of work for more than a week in my entire life. Actually, sorry, that's not true. When I graduated college, I was out of work for a whole month while I was looking for a job. But since then, I have not taken a break. And I like it. You know, I spoke to a doctor a few months ago, and she was talking to me about my stress. And she said, do you take a break? Like, when you take a vacation, do you not check your email? I said, no, I check my email every day. <laughs> and she's like, why do you do that, you know? And usually doctors will say, oh, you should, you should completely unplug. And I told her, I said, if I completely unplug, then when I go back, it'll actually stress me out even more to know all these things that I haven't done. So I said, I'd rather just spend five, 10 minutes and be on top of it than not know at all, right? So she's like, okay, I can flow with that. She's like, I can do that. <laughs> and so for me, working is just part of life. I mean, I, I was raised by a father who worked. You know, my dad worked every day of his life and he always provided all my needs, right? He was a good father. And I never had to worry about where my food was going to come from or where if I was going to have enough money to buy school uniforms or anything. My dad always provided for me. <clears throat> However, my dad taught me a very important lesson. When I turned 17 and I graduated high school, I wanted to go away and go to school. So I wanted to travel to East, uh, West Malaysia and go to school. And so my dad told me, he said, if you go, I'll pay for your school, but you only get a stipend of 300 ringgit a month. 300 ringgit is not a lot of money. But uh, nowadays, you can't buy anything. Like, <laughs> you will die in two days. <laughs> Back then, you kind of survive. So it gave me 300 ringgit. It wasn't a lot of money. This is 1991, I think. And uh, I, I went to West Malaysia. In the first month, I learned money management. Like, I learned the lesson the best way. Because on the 10th of the month, I spent that 300 ringgit. Then I called my dad, my pa. I'm out of money. And he's like, oh. I'm <laughs> He's like, well, I'll send you money on the 30th. And I'm like, oh, no, I have no money between now and then. He's like, oh, okay. So then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I mean, I got to figure this out, right? So for 20 days, I had no money. I had like, I had like probably five ringgit. And so I was able to buy a loaf of bread. A loaf of bread is like a dollar, a ringgit 25, one ringgit 25 cents. So I, I bought one loaf of bread per week, like, and then... I had a very gracious, generous aunt who would help have me over to our house on the weekend so I could eat real food. But during the week, I literally ate one to two slices of bread a day. That's it. I had no money because I and then all the extra pennies and coins I had, I had to use for bus fare because I had to go to work and to school. So I ended up walking to school. But the best lesson of my life, because the next month when I got my 300 ringgit, I made that thing last until the end of the month. Right. And then I learned. I have to get a job. 
if I'm gonna live, right, and like be able to buy things like shampoo and you know soap, right? I'm gonna have to make more money. So I went and got a job. And then after I got a job, then I was like, oh, this is how it works. Best lesson of my life. I told my dad that. I'm like, you taught me the best lesson of my life, right? Now, don't get me wrong. There was a lot of whining and crying <laughs> when I called my dad the first time. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't love me anymore. But it was the best lesson because that is a lesson that we have to learn. It's like, uh, and we're going to go into this. We don't get to eat what we don't earn, right? And I earned 300 ringgit a month in a stipend, but that's all I earned from my dad. So I was going to earn more. I was going to have to work for more. <clears throat> so God intends. Um, so we saw that God works. Right? In, in, in Genesis 2, 2, we saw that God works. But then God also intended us to continue working. So Genesis 2, 15, let's go there real quick. Okay, Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And then in verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. The garden was meant to be cultivated by Adam and Eve. Eve was there to help him. But the garden was meant to be cultivated. God worked. He created the earth. We are meant to work to continue to manage it. It's our responsibility. It is actually our Christian responsibility to continue to work. We are to work as part of our witness and our testimony. So let's go down. So then I it really began to get me thinking, so okay, this is what God actually regards work in high regard. And I never quite saw that before because many times in Christian circles, especially when you're hanging out with pastors who say, oh, you know, when you're going to full-time ministry, you leave the workspace. And I've always had, I've really always struggled with that because how am I earning? What am I earning? Because to me, that I can't earn from people when I'm giving them God's word because that's God's word. I can come up with that word, right? So I'm earning, I'm leveraging off God's word to earn something. So I had a really hard time with that. So <clears throat> then that's, that was me. I had a hard time with it. So work is actually part of an order that was created by God to us, right? In, 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 in Genesis 2, God created an order for Adam. He said he created him and he said, cultivate this land. That was his responsibility. That was his role. That was the order created for him, right? When we fall outside of doing what we are created for, the order in our life actually falls apart. And we see this in 2 Thessalonians. So today, let's go to 2 Thessalonians. <clears throat> and we're going to read from verse 6 to 12. I have it on the screen, but I think those of you in the room, it might be a little small, so you can go to it in your Bibles. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, and says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you, wait, let me give you context real quick. Paul was talking to those in Thessalonica, and he was telling them about living a testimony, a, a life and a testimony. Prior to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and chapter 2, he talked about how we should, how we should behave, or how we should be in the second coming of Christ, what to expect. So in chapter 3, he goes on, and in verse 6, he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they receive from us. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's businesses. business. So we command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
to settle down and work to earn their own living. Uh, before we continue to understand what Paul is saying here, I want to address a couple of things. We see, we need to see that he's referring to those who work, uh, meant to work to provide for daily needs, right? Now, whether you work in the house or outside the house, you're working to fulfill responsibilities that involve fulfilling the needs of yourself, your family, your home, right? So it doesn't matter, like, you know, if you're a stay-at-home mom, it still applies, right? It's still work. Some of us work outside the home and inside the home, so both responsibilities are equally necessary and important, and I included in this example. So this doesn't just mean paying for food, but also, you know, you have to think about your clothes, your rent, your mortgage, maintenance, right? Cars, et cetera, et cetera, you know, Amazon bill, you get it. So, so it says, the first thing he says is stay away from unbelievers. Stay away, sorry, stay away from all believers who live idle lives. Note keyword here, believers who live idle lives. Those who are believers and yet choose not to work. So stay away from them. Don't take on their mindset. You know, one of the hardest things that we face as people is like, we're always looking for ways to get rich quickly, right? And there's always like, there's always people out there that will tell you many ways to get rich quickly. But the fact of the matter is you can't get rich quickly. You just can't, right? People have come up with many, many ways. You may get rich temporarily. You may earn a lot of money temporarily, but wealth is built over time and work ethic is part of that building of wealth. It has to happen all in one. It just doesn't, things don't happen automatically, right? <clears throat> so he said, stay away from believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they receive from this. And I was like, what tradition? Because I don't like that word tradition. So I looked it up and what is tradition? And it comes back again to the word order. There's an order that Paul was trying to teach the Thessalonians. The same order that God taught and instilled in Adam in Genesis 2. There's an order we are meant to cultivate. There's an order. So Paul, even though he was a minister of the gospel, just reading through the Bible, you will know that Paul was a busy man. He did a lot, but he paid his way through. He worked his way through. He did. He never waited for anybody to feed him. He was a blessing wherever he went because he, if he was paying for food, if he was paying for shelter, he was blessing local businesses, right? <clears throat> you see, an idle life, and when I think of being idle, I think of just like, you know, like me on a Saturday evening, I'm idle. I sit on my couch and I literally just disappear into the couch and you can't tell I'm there. I don't do anything. I just sit there. <laughs> All right. Sometimes the TV's on, sometimes I just stare into space. That's what I think idle is. But when I look up the word idle, it's even worse than that, right? <laughs> because what it actually is, is it actually means disorderly or out of ranks, right? It means irregular, inordinate, immoderate pleasures. It means deviating from the prescribed order or rule. And that just sounds like such a mess to me. I'm like, how can being idle be so messy? Because being idle is not what God has called us to. He's not called us to that life. He has not called us to that. You know, many times we sit and we pray for blessings. We pray for blessings, but then we don't look for the work that takes us to that blessing. Right? You know, it's like, so, oh, I want to sit here. I just want to pray for blessings. Well, walk towards it. Do something for it. Right? You know, it's like, Waiting should is not always an, a passive waiting. It's like, you know, it's in my house, right? If I sit on the couch on a Saturday night and I wait for somebody to give me a glass of water, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to get my water, right? Because Jaden's usually upstairs playing games and Evan's in his office or doing something. If I sit there, unless I've trained my dog to go get me a glass of water, I'm not getting that glass of water. So I can sit there and pray for a glass of water. It might not come. Or I could get up and walk towards the fridge and then maybe I'll get my glass of water. It's, like, it's not about not trusting God, but being idle, it also means walking outside of what the, the order that God has set for us. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, it says, If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, 
Take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Yet, do not, dis do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. When we see brethren walking in that way, we are to stay away from them because we do need them to understand it's not right. But we are not to treat them as an enemy. We are to guide them and admonish them. It's a calling. It's the very essence of what we were created to do. I was a word, I can't remember what it is right now. Um, it is the state that our body is most healthy. Do you know our body has a way, God created our body in a way that it's always striving for health, right? It's always moving towards health. One of the things that causes our body to actually be very unhealthy is not moving. How many of you guys have heard? They've done recent studies on the fact that sitting is worse than smoking, right? <clears throat> if you sit for long hour periods of time, it's actually worse for you than smoking. So like people who have desk jobs or those of us who work on computers all day, it's actually not healthy for us to sit the entire time. We should get up and walk around, right? And a lot of the injuries that happen and that, you know, you see chiropractors for and physical therapists for all are shoulder and back related because of how we sit and, how, and what we're doing all day. Repetitive movement over and over and over again. We're not designed for that. <clears throat> God didn't create us for that, right? And so... I bring this up today because we see it in the world around us. And as believers, what is our witness towards it? Right? What is us, as, as believers, what is our witness towards it? Paul was very clear. He's like, if you're a believer, your witness is your faithfulness towards your work. He, he actually said, don't associate with believers who don't work. Don't associate with believers who, who are idle, who just sit around doing nothing and don't take on their responsibilities. Be, it's not a judgment thing. You guys following me, right? This is not a judgment thing. It's about where are we as believers and what are we supposed to be doing? It, is, it should explain to us. Like This week I had the whole week off, so I was like, oh, I'm going to get so much done. I, had, I put like six classes on my to-do list that I'm going to finish this week. And I had like four papers I had to write for work. And like, I'm going to do all of this. I did nothing. I did absolutely nothing because I did exactly the opposite of what I wanted to do. Like every day I woke up, took the dogs for a walk, hung out. I read a book for a bit. And I didn't stick to my usual discipline, right? The usual discipline that I have when I go to work, right? I go to my desk and I get stuff done. I sat on the couch. I sat everywhere, but in my office, by the way. <laughs> like I sat out here. I sat on the couch. I would, you know, I'd go outside. And I didn't. And maybe it was good for me. But at the same time, I didn't get done what I needed to be done. And to me, it was frustrating because I was like, man, I was supposed to do I have a whole week. What did I do? I look back now, I'm like, it's Sunday. I have to go to work tomorrow. What did I do this week? <clears throat> but it's the same thing. It's, it's a discipline. It's the order of where we were meant to be. Right. And how easily we can fall away from that order. The second thing he says is. He says in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, he says, verse in verse uh, 3 to 7, it says, imitate us. He says, you know that you ought to imitate us. This is really important. Paul was an apostle. He, his goal was to go out into the world and make disciples and to lead others to Christ. Amen. How many people in here, your goal in life is to go out and to lead other people to Christ? And when we do that, can we tell people, imitate me? Because that's what Paul said, imitate us. That means he was like, I'm watching the way I walk because I want you to have something to look at. It's a, it's a humble thing. It's not a, it's not a thing. When, I, when you read it, you realize that Paul is a man that he understands that I will humble myself to the point of being anything God needs me to be just so I give you something to look for. Right. Now I tell people all the time, I'm about as imperfect as they get. But can I still have my life in a way that I can say, imitate me. Do what I do. Right. We should all say that. Right. That's our calling. As believers in this world, we are meant to be the light. When you are in the darkness, what do you follow? The light. Right. If it's dark in a room and somebody has a flashlight, who are you going to follow? You're following the person with the light. Wear that light. That's why Paul said, imitate us, follow us, do what we do. He says, 
You know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Discipleship starts with our witness. Paul's witness was to be diligent and not idle. You know, a lot of times, there are many, many books on discipleship, tons of them. But discipleship starts with your witness. I personally have a hard time following people who say one thing and do something else. I have a really hard time with that because I don't know what to follow. My dad, God rest his soul, always said that to me. Jin, do what I say, don't do what I do. And I always told him, Father, it's not going to work. Right? Because as children, we do exactly what our parents do. We should do. We become our parents, whether we like it or not. We will always do what they do. Over time, with God and with conviction, we realize what is right and what is wrong. Then we stop doing certain things. But the fact is, we will do what they do. We will do what our leaders do. We will do what people influence us in their life. We will do what they do. So as believers, when we're the light, when we're the only ones people follow, they're going to do what we do. And Paul's greatest witness, greatest discipleship tool was this witness. He said, Paul, imitate me. I was like, that's a scary thing for me to say. If I walked around to the girls and go, you guys imitate me. Oh, right? <laughs> I'd be like kind of scary. But what he's actually saying is not imitate me. Because Paul said, for me to die is gain. Paul's a dead man. He lived in Christ. Right. And so when he said imitate me, he's saying, I'm doing everything I can to look just like Christ. So if you're going to imitate me, you're going to look like Christ. It's a powerful thing to say. It's kind of scary, but it's powerful. Oopsie. And then in verse three, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter three, verse 11 and 12. He said, Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn. Catherine, did you want to say something? You're on, you're off mute. Oh, I thought I was on mute. <laughs> okay. I'll wait to the end. I, I, I'm so sorry. No, you're good. You're good. I just wanted to make sure. No, I was, but I was, I'm, I'm praising the Lord. Y'all didn't hear me go, eh, 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 praise the God. So good, good message. Good message. But I'm sorry it went off mute. No, you're fine. Okay. So these are people, he said, are refusing to work. So work, again, it involves both the earning and the non-earning work, right? And so when we think about it, like for last week, when I looked at my life, so last week I would consider my non-earning week, but I still had responsibilities at home, right? This is my non-earning job here at home. Right? I don't earn anything to work here, but... I have responsibilities as a wife and as a mother in this house. And so I had all those lists. I had a beautiful list of things to do with nice check marks and stuff that I didn't get to. I probably got to like maybe three or four things. But that was still part of my list. And so part of the discipline of doing that is also setting the time and setting the order to actually get that done. Now, what were my distractions? I'll be completely honest with you. My distraction is YouTube. YouTube was my biggest distraction. You know, you get on YouTube, you watch one documentary and you're like, oh, and here's another one. And oh, here's another one. Right. And usually I'm pretty good about it. I can listen to YouTube and do stuff. But there were some things I wanted to watch. I just sat down and watched it. Three hours later. Right. Three hours of my life. And I, I don't think I learned anything. Right. I could have been doing so much more. Can you guys see that? OK. Uh, I could have been doing so much more. I didn't because I was distracted. So the part of the order is understanding that when Paul is talking about those who are refusing to work, it involves both earning and non-earning work. Here's how I look at it. I've, I've been working for people 
most almost all my career, right? I, I own my own business for a little while, but I've been working for people. When I'm at work, I can't watch Netflix. I probably get fired. I can't watch YouTube unless it's work related, right? I can't get on Instagram or Facebook. I mean, I don't. It's bad at work ethic, right? So I, I don't do that. Right? Maybe on a break, I might get on and watch for a little bit, but I don't do these things. So when I was working for myself and I had my own business, I called my own hours, so I worked at home most of the time. And what I found was that I could go on YouTube in the middle of the day. But the problem with that is if you're working for yourself, you're getting paid for the hours that you actually work, right? So even if you're not working, say non-earning, right, but you have responsibilities at home, and say you finish your work and you come home and you just spend all evening on YouTube or whatever, then you're still not working, right? You're still taking away from that work. So the prioritization is wrong, right? Because <clears throat> then you're like, oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time. For, I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time for Bible study. I don't have time to see people. I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to, you know, walk my dog. We will never have time when our prioritization is off, when we are not working. And that's what I mean by order. God put Adam in the garden. He said, cultivate this place. Cultivate this land. There was an order. Start with that. God's relationship with Adam was first, right? Right. And then and then God gave Adam a partner. That was the second priority. The third priority was cultivate. We're called to do this. This is our responsibility. <clears throat> the order of work involves prioritization. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 13, it says, At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house, and not merely idle, but also gossips, busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was telling, um, I was talking to Dora, and I'm like, you know what is the modern day equivalent of a busybody? Someone who gets on social media a lot because you're always in other people's business, right? <laughs> I, I, God showed me that and I was like, oh man, that hurt. Okay. First Thessalonians 4.11, it says, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you. Ecclesiastes 10.18, through indolence, the rafters sag and through slackness, the house leaks. Um, you know, part of responsibility is taking care, being a good steward of everything that God has given us. You know, do we take care of our cars? Do we take care of our homes? Do we take care of our family? Do we, you know, do we take care of the bodies that God has given us? Do we take the time to do the things that we need to do to keep ourselves healthy? Are we, are we doing these things? Because I don't have time. It's a very common excuse, but is that the right thing to say? Do we truly not have time? You know, there's one time I remember... I was praying about something and I told God, I don't have time. I have way too much going on. And he, he said, you have 24 hours in the day. He said, tell me what you do. I'm like, well, 24 hours is a lot of time. Because <laughs> I don't, I said, okay, just say I sleep eight hours. I have 16 hours. Say I work eight hours. I have eight hours. Eight hours you can blow really fast. But what can you use the eight hours for, right? So when I was preparing this message, I just want you guys to know it was a lot of self-conviction, but it was good. <clears throat> so when we say don't be idle, um, be faithful to work for what you eat, whether you're a worker at home or outside the home, right? We never, Paul said, we never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night, so we would not be a burden to any of you. Paul was in many cities, many lands. He went and he preached and he taught and he gave up his life and he poured out to people. Of course, people wanted to feed him, but he always paid, right? He always made sure that he blessed them for what they gave him. So literally he actually took nothing from them, right? He, he blessed them. He said, so be faithful to work for what we eat, whether it's paying for it or whether it's helping or whether it's doing, right? Whether it, whatever it takes, work unto the Lord in all that you do. You know, in this one, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 to 9, it says, Slave, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear and serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. <clears throat> um, as This has been a scripture that I've always put on my heart, especially as I've been working. You know, there are many times we work, but we don't see our 
bosses or our companies as someone we need to respect. It's like, this is just a place I earn money. But if I'm working unto God, if God is the one who is eventually evaluating my life, if my life is supposed to be a witness to everybody I work with, right? Don't I want to be the best version of Christ I can to them? I've had many opportunities to minister to people I work with. In fact, I would say like the biggest opportunities I have to minister are people I work with because I spend the most time with them. I talk to them the most. I spend 40 to 50 hours a week with these people. That's more time than I spend with, you know, a lot of times even my own family, right? Because those are the people I work with. Isn't that the place that my witness matters the most? You know, just because it's a very traditional old thinking that if you're not in ministry, then you're not ministering. It's not true. Paul, Paul was in ministry, but he was also a tent maker. He, everywhere he went, everything he did, he was ministering. In fact, the best places for us to minister is at work. That's where we meet people who are going to know God. Not everybody wants to walk into your church, right? But everybody works. So you'll get a chance to meet people. You never would. You get a chance to pray for people. And it doesn't have to be where you're praying in front of them. I pray for all my coworkers. I pray for my boss all the time especially when he's talking in meetings and I get really annoyed with him. I pray for him, right? <laughs> I pray for them all the time because it's only through prayer that they will see salvation. Nobody else might be praying for them. That's our opportunity, right? So I pray that today's message um, is it's a it's something that will continue to be on the top of our mind. But work is not something that we should be feel obligated to do it is but it is something that God has called us to do it's part of our witness it's part of our calling it's part of who he's called us to be it also provides for our needs and the needs of our family praise God for that right whenever somebody tells me they're looking for work I'm always praying for them because it is a necessary part of being you know my dad loved to work he worked every day of his life I never saw him not working I never saw him at home um, or taking a vacation, right? He worked all the time. But when my dad stopped working, when he got ill, he died two years later. Because to him, he had lost, it's not that he had, he, his work was his idol, but he just felt like he didn't have anything else to do with his hands. He felt like his time on this earth was done. There's a, there's a, there's a, because it's part of who we are, God has called us to, do, to this, right? And some people may not work <laughs> to earn anymore, but they are still working. You know, we went through Proverbs 31. It's like there are many things we can do if we're not working to earn. We, are, we can still be serving. We can still be teaching. We can still be guiding. There are many things to do, but we are never called to be idle. Amen. Any questions? Catherine, you're going to say something. Oh, any questions in here first? <clears throat> Amen, 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 and more amen. What a powerful message. Pray that everyone, Lord, that you give them ears to hear and to know and perceive. You know, Pastor Jeannie, as you were going through the, through the message, and it's like, Lord, I thank you for that. I just want to add a couple of things, you know, two or three things really quickly. And 2 Thessalonians 3, which you talked from quite a bit today, and, and, you, and you mentioned as you were headed on your way to 2 Thessalonians 3, 2 Thessalonians 3 is part of the message in 2 Thessalonians 2, where these people, he was, they thought the Lord had come. They were looking at the end times, and a lot of them quit working. They quit working. And it's like, you know, even the messages now that come about the end time, that doesn't mean that you're supposed to quit working. That doesn't mean you're supposed to quit living. You continue to do what the Lord has given you hands to do until you look up and see him parting that sky. You know, this is, you know, and the and there's so many messages from Genesis, you know, you know, to Revelation through the Bible about the Lord speaking about working. 
you know, I've heard, I've heard people say to me, Pastor, I'm not really looking forward to heaven. And the first time I heard it, I was so shocked. And they told me they weren't because they're not interested in floating around on a cloud. And it's like, I don't know where you got that message from, but everybody works. Everybody works. God works. And he rested. And even now, God works. Where do you think the rain comes from? Where do you think our food comes from? Our God never slumbers or sleeps. But he taught us an important lesson, just as Pastor Jeannie talked about. In working, but in resting. Let's look at very quickly, Pastor Jeannie. Will you go to 1 Timothy 5, 8? And I can't hear you or see you. Can you see me? Can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you. First Timothy 5, 8. It says, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Ooh, Pastor Jimmy, what does that mean? It means that it doesn't matter what you do on the outside, but if you don't take care of those whom you love, those especially those in your household, your relatives, then you've, you do, you're not walking in faith. And how many ways can you take care of them that you love? You provide provide for them. Mm -hmm. which, which goes back to your point of you provide through working outside of the home, but you also provide through working in a home. You know, you provide the meals, you provide a clean house, you provide a, a place for you provide a haven for your family to be in. Staying at home does not mean we are called as women. And let me let me stress this: as women, we are called to be workers at home. And the reason I want to stress women is because the world has, you know, now said that it's okay for a lot of men to be Mr. Moms. Something's wrong with Mr. and Mom. Just like, but nobody ever says Mrs. Dad, but Mr. Mom. And when you look, look at Proverbs 31, who is the queen giving her son the king advice about? The mom. The mom. The mom. The other thing is, let's look at Acts chapter 20, verses 32 and 33. Acts 20. 30 through 35. Acts chapter 20. Verses 30 Would someone read that? Did you say 22 or 32? No, Acts chapter 20. 2 0. And verse 33 through 35. I'm sorry. Verse 33, it says, I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That'd be another reason you work. And in fact, there's, there's at least three reasons listed there. Why you should be working. Can you see what they are, Pastor Jeannie or Pastor Edmund? Or Pastor Rochelle? Amen. You help those in need. Amen. You can't but get what you don't have. You can supply for your own needs and the needs of those who are with them. Come on. Amen. There's one more. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And you don't covet someone else's stuff. 
they're not looking at what you can get from somebody else because you're working with your own hands. You're not thinking of how, how you can manipulate or how you can take because you're coveting what someone else has because you won't work. You work with these hands to supply for your own household. And you are a blessing to others. You can't give what you don't have. And I'm not talking about giving a ton. You know, there have been, you know, you can't give what you don't have. But when you do have, you can share, you can give. And for folks who are not willing to work, truly, the order of work, the order of work. That's all I have, Pastor Jeannie, but thank you, Jesus. Such a good message. Bless my socks off. Amen. I want to close with uh, any, sorry, anybody else? Any thoughts, questions? Yeah, maybe just one quick thought. I think um, the Lord has given us 24 hours, and it's important to know why he does that. And he has appointed for all of us, as Pastor Jeannie mentioned, time to rest and time to work. But in all of that, God, our God is actually a very fruitful and productive God. Mm. He's not a God who is so powerful that after he's done with the creation, he decided to sit on the throne and say, worship me. Do you know that Jesus is still praying for us, interceding even so for now, uh, for us all? Now, uh, one thing about idleness I want to touch on, uh, it was in First Timothy earlier, uh, Pastor Catherine was leading to read, but this one is verse 13. It says, besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not say or should not. And so <laughs> there's no such thing as vacuum. If we don't uh, take up God's 24 hours that's given to us in the most productive way, somebody else will. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's the enemy, the devil. That's a phrase that says, uh, is it idle? Idle is the playground. Idle hands are the playground of the devil. Idle, idle hands are the playground yeah. of the devil. So there's no such thing as vacuum. We don't live in vacuum. So I think the wisdom here is, Lord, thank you for 24 hours. Let us um, learn from the Lord how to order each of the steps that he has given us in those 24 hours, amen? Um, so I know sometimes it's hard. I can tell you, we praise God for different opportunities and sometimes it feels a little bit of a discipline is required. Jeannie and I, when we were in Pullman, we were given this uh, one semester of task. Think about one semester, that is what, three, three months? We were actually asked to fill up our schedule uh, account for our schedule every 15 minutes. That's crazy, but we did it. It helped us see and recognize how amazing, how much time we have in God's, that God has provided for us. So we did that. Do we want to do it every day to account? No, it's crazy, but the discipline was amazing. A lot of wisdom came out of that. So just want to share that. Actually, it's a good practice. If you ever wonder if you have enough time, if you break a day up into 15 minute segments and learn how to, if you ever, ever feel the need to do it but you do find a lot of time that way Amen. can i just say one more thing too for those who are in places that they can't work they're looking for a job and they can't find it or they're too sick to work don't let this message be a message of condemnation for you mm. You know, you ask the Lord, you know, you ask the Lord to allow you to be obedient right where you're at, yeah. to be obedient right where you're at. So it's like if you're in a place that you can't find a job, Lord, give me a job to do. You never know that someone else who has a job, just you're going over and doing something for that neighbor or something for that family. That the Lord can use you in other ways. You know, I've y'all have heard the pastors talk about that I have never failed to do. If the Lord asked me to do something, whether it's whatever, I've never failed to do it. 
Why is that? Because I'm working for the Lord. I'm working for the Lord and I'm not trying to just coast or be, you know. But it's like, Lord, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Because frankly, as, as Pastor Edmund just pointed out, I don't want nobody else to do what the Lord has called me to do. Mm. I don't want a rock to outpraise me. I'm here. I don't want a, a rooster to crow. I'm here. I don't want a donkey to speak. I'm here. I'm here. And as long as the Lord's breath is in my body, I will work in even what the Lord blesses my husband and I'm with. I'm so blessed that he allows us to still support and help other people. You can never have too little if you have a heart willing to do what the Lord has called you to do. I'm talking about those who just don't want to work. They've gotten accustomed to not working and they don't want to work and they're hanging out and they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. This message is for, for those people. This message is not for those whose heart desire is to be pleasing to the Lord, even in this area. That's it. Oh, that's the last thing I have to say, pastors and congregation. So I, I wanted to expand on what Catherine said. So, yeah, it's right. The message is not for work to be paid earned work right so that's what right. I thought. like go get a job yeah but the message is really what paul is talking about here is being idle it doesn't matter being idle is not a place where someone who is idle doesn't mean if you're not idle you're working and getting paid not being idle means you're not um being out of order right because remember idleness doesn't mean just sitting around the word idle actually means being out of the order of what god has created us to be God has created us to be productive. So for workers at home, you know, like for me, like I'm a worker at home and I'm a worker at work. I have responsibilities in my house. So that means when I'm at home, I'm not earning anything, but I still have responsibilities I have to carry out. Mm. Does that make sense? So when God, when Paul is talking about being idle in this message, that when we talk about being idle, it's about no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, watch out for idleness in our life mm. right because that's what puts us out of order with god and so regardless of our condition we can always ask god for what we should be doing to get back into that order with him yeah right so that we're not filling our time with things that are bringing us away from god but that bringing us toward him amen in fact mm. the, the irony is there are people who go to work get paid and still don't do idle. anything yeah <laughs> i know some of those people <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they're at yeah. work getting paid hang out at the mm -hmm. mail room hang out at the water cooler chit-chatting mm -hmm. that's just idle so. and can I say just one last thing pastor I've heard you say a couple times that when you're working at home you're not getting paid there are different ways of getting paid look I at I'm not getting paid but still you compensate it. Look at Proverbs 31, yes. 20, 28. What verse? 27 and 28. Did you read that, Pastor Jeannie? She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying... I'll be 29. Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. She got paid. And the generations yet to come because of her work. And because those children that she taught, they will teach their children and children's children and children's children. That father and that mother in that home get paid because the children yet to be born. Amen. Will honor God because of them. Amen. Okay. Amen. Amen. That's powerful. Amen. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to close with, sorry, does anyone have anything else?
Not Tara. I am going to close it. Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34. If we can go there real quick. I think I have a slide for that. Proverbs 24, chapter 24, verses 30 to 34. Proverbs 24, chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 to 34. Thank you. No problem. All right, I'll go ahead and read it. Says, I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. <clears throat> and when I read this scripture, I asked the Lord, I said, how do you know he's a sluggard? And how do you know he's a man who's lacking sense? Because of his witness. When we neglect the things in our lives that we should be paying attention to, that's our witness. That's our witness to those around us. And um, Proverbs 30, 24, 33, and 34, where he says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest is a lot of times we may think, like, I'm just going to take a little break. I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, take some time off and just do this. But when we don't have a plan, when we don't submit that plan to God and, and wait for him on, on what he wants us to do, um, then you'll see verse 34 come into place. It says, then your poverty will come as a robber and you'll want like an armed man. God has a plan for our lives, right? We never have to worry about, honestly, it's like we never have to worry about getting tired because we were created for a purpose. And when we do feel tired, we find our rest in him and in his presence and not in other things, right? And this is something that it's a lesson that I, I'm learning myself, right? Now, how to, when I'm really, really tired, I work a lot of hours. I do generally anyway. And like, how do I take, when I get really tired to really find that rest in God and not in other things, like not just sitting down and vegging out and watching YouTube, right? Or just, you know, reading whatever, but to really come before God and let his presence restore me. That's more than just the Christian thing to do. It actually is something that God has called us to do. He's called us to a life of this, right? And also um, that balance, right? How do we come to that place of that balance? So I pray that, like what Pastor Catherine said today, that today's scriptures and the word will speak into our heart. Because as Christians, we're called more, more way for more than, you know, just to be an evangelist. And our witness actually encompasses every area of our lives, including how we work. Amen. If there's nothing else, then I'll go ahead and close. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've given us, all that you've enabled us. Father, I thank you that you've given each and every one of us, Father, a mind and a body, Lord Jesus, that is able to seek you and ask you each and every day, Lord. And Father, I pray that you will continue to use each one of us, use our hands, use our feet, use our minds, Lord Jesus, use our mouths for your glory, that in all that we do, as we are faithful towards you, as we are faithful not to fall out of the order that you have set for us, Lord Jesus, as we are faithful to watch our witness before you, Lord, that, Lord, that you will bless each life and each heart, Lord Jesus. And, Father, I pray for those, Lord Jesus, that are struggling, Lord Jesus, today, whether struggling with the ideas or just struggling with um, the, the what your word has spoken, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will speak into each heart and bring understanding and bring peace, Lord. Father, we love you and we honor you. Father, we especially want to lift up the needs in our body, Lord Jesus. We continue to pray for healing, Lord Jesus. We continue to pray for uh, <clears throat> protection, Lord Jesus. And we keep lifting up Ferengi's family, Lord Jesus. We pray for Honora and for Nathaniel and for Sarah, Lord Jesus, in this time, Lord. I pray for peace upon Honora and for Sarah, Lord Jesus. And Father, we continue to lift up Nathaniel into your hands, Lord, believing and knowing, Father, that you have a plan for him, Lord. Father, we thank you. I also pray for my sister Frangis here, Lord Jesus, that, Father, that her heart will be filled with peace, knowing and trusting you always, Lord. Father, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' almighty name we pray. Amen. 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 <laughs> um, 
Right on. So this week uh, we do have Pastor Catherine on uh, Tuesday at 7:30.